Welcome to Radiant Church Podcast. We want Jesus to be the message in everything we do. We are those who look to him. Now, here's David Perkins. Father, we love you, and Lord, we thank you for what you're doing, and we thank you for this season. Lord, just to consecrate these first few weeks in August as a season of prayer for our church. And God, we ask that even as we go into our prayer week, Lord Jesus, that um, you would do fresh things in our heart. So we were singing this song um, that you came. Lord, we just let that be our anthem. You came, like you touched us, like you've transformed us and you've changed our inner man and you've transformed our hearts and our families and our lives. And Lord Jesus, you've, you've changed our church and God, we ask just that you would continue to do a great work, that we would see uh, a move of God in our city. And we thank you for what you're going to do. We honor you. We love you. And all of Radiant said, amen. amen. So as we talk about prayer, I just want to start telling you a story about uh, one, of my son, one of my kids, Dawson. When he was four, uh, he prayed a prayer that I love. I try to pray with my kids every night and go up before they go to sleep and just pray with them. And when Dawson was four, I was uh, actually praying with him on a Saturday night uh, before I preached on Sunday. And uh, I'm a little bit stressed out on Saturday night. Um, you know, I got a little bit more stressed than a normal night, and Dawson was detecting that at age four. And so he laid his hands right on me, and he decided to pray for me. And he said, God, I pray that when Dad preaches tomorrow, he would say no bad words. And um, so by the grace of God, that prayer came to fruition. And um, so I'm asking him to pray that again today. Anyway, uh, I love that. I love one time when they were... Uh, when Dawson and Liv were four and five, I overheard this conversation. Dawson, uh, Olivia said, Dawson, let's play Ariel and King Triton. Uh, and Dawson said, no, we should play something more Christian, like Superman. <laughs> and um, so that was good. One more, one more, one more. So uh, when I gather my kids together, we call it tribal Bible, and we talk through the scriptures. And, and, uh, and, and so one night I was talking to them about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so um, as I was talking and trying to tell the story, I said, can any of you tell me the names of the three boys who refused to bow down to the idol? To which Dawson jumped up and he said, Rack, Shack, and Benny. And I was like, welcome to a generation discipled by vegetables. Um, and I said, yeah, can you give me their real names? And Olivia, age four said, oh, that's easy. Bob, Larry, and Junior. <laughs> so, um, Sometimes they're working for us, and sometimes those vegetables are working against us. Uh, but anyway, I, I, love, I love the idea of, of God calling us to this place of prayer. And as we go into this season of prayer, um, I just want to kind of communicate some of my dream, uh, some of my heart. I, I think one of the dreams that we have for this church is that this would be a relational church, that you would come here and there would be camaraderie, that there would be people of different age groups and generations where you're able to build friendships and like-hearted relationships. It's the reason why we do small groups. Uh, we want to, you to connect. But in addition, I think, you know, bottom line is we want this to be an equipping church. Like we want you to hear the word of God and love the word of God and get the word of God inside of you and, and, and figure out what God's called you to do so that you know that and where you feel equipped. We want to equip what it says in Ephesians, equip the saints for ministry. We want you to feel equipped. I think in addition, we want to be a missional church. Like we want to help we want to help serve. We want to reach people. We want to go out and, and, and help meet practical needs. And as well, we want to help people come to know Jesus. And so in our city and in our neighborhoods and in our nation uh, and, and in our world, I mean, we want, to, we want to be evangelistic in the way that we're missional. 
But at the core, I think, first and foremost, I just want to say this phrase. I feel like if you really want to get down to some of the, the truest DNA of what God's called us to be, he's called us to be a praying church. And um, when we came uh, last year and moved here, the first thing that Renata and I started in our apartment was just prayer meetings, just, just people gathering. And I remember some of those early prayer meetings, just a handful of people just crying out to God. And then last summer, uh, transitioned into a prayer meeting, a weekly prayer meeting at our house, just asking the Lord to have his way and to come. And I'll always remember just those, those prayer meetings that were so powerful. As the church started in September, uh, one of the things that we just kind of went all in with was we want to be a church that's a praying church. And so that's why we rent space in the community center uh, to, to pray every week, to have this prayer meeting, because at the core, God's called us uh, for, to have the fires of prayer to burn brightly. And we want that to be really significant. And I had another church planter push back on me and say, hey, that's a little bit nuts. You're too early in your church to pay for two venues in one week. And uh, I pushed back and I said, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll, we'll pay for the venue on the weekends, but man, we, we'll do whatever it takes to have a day. If, we, if we've got a praying church, there's, there is, God will not hinder what he's called us to do. And so right at the core, God's called this church to be a praying church. And so when we go into this prayer season, uh, I want you to get that. I want you to know that. I want you to know it's one of the things that we're passionate about and we're committed to. I was reading uh, just in the book of Acts about the early church, and I'm going to go through quite a bit of Bible here this morning. It's just going to, I'm just going to rifle these off. Some of you will love this and some of you might not, but uh, I just want to read a bunch of Bible this morning so that you just see this in the book of Acts. So just look at how often the word prayer is in the early church. I just want you to see it. I want you to see whether it's them gathering or whether it's Stephen being dependent because he's about to be martyred or if it's house to house or if it's in the temple or if it's because they got to get a new disciple because of Judas's failure and betrayal or whatever it is. Over and over again, we've got them going back to the place of prayer. And so I want you to see that. So here we go. All right. I'm going to do a little bit of... Uh, of all church involvement, I'm gonna make you talk, all right? So here we go. When you see the word prayer, I want you to say it out loud, all right? You got it? Is that too hard? Can you do that? All right, here we go. Acts 1.14, they all joined together constantly in? Who? you're good. Acts 1.24, then they? Oh, see, then you're dying out. You're fading. That, I mean, you got it. let's ramp it up. Here we go, all right, here we go. Acts 1.24, then they? Good Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to? Who that was good. Acts 3.1, one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of? Prayer. Ooh, you're getting better. As we, all right. All right, Acts 4.24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in? Prayer. Acts 4.31, after they? Prayer. Oh, you faded. All right, after they? Acts 6, 4, and we will give our attention to, says the apostles, all right, Acts 6, 6, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed, prayed. Acts 7, 59, while they were stoning him, Stephen, Acts 8, 15, when they arrived, they, Acts 8, 22, repent of this wickedness and, Acts 8, 28, then Simon answered, Acts, how long shall we do this? (laughs) Can you go the whole book of Acts? No, we won't go. We'll just go through chapter 10. Acts 9, 11. Then they told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is. Acts 9, 40. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and 
you know that story. Acts 10, 2, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed, prayed to God regularly. Acts 10, 5, the angel answered your your prayers. Acts 10, 9, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Acts 10, 30, Cornelius answered, four, day, four days ago, I was in my house pray. praying at this hour, last one, so make it a good one. Acts 10, 31, and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer. That was good. That was great. So there's just the first 10 chapters, and the only reason why I did that is just to drill in your mind how often the early church was a praying church. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the need was, and I won't walk through all of those, I just want you to kind of get it in your heart that prayer is not a side item. Sometimes I think that we think of it kind of like an appetizer. Like, let's just get a little bit of that before the main course. But man, I want you to see this prayer thing as a main course. I want you to see this personal prayer life that you've got, this putting prayer first in your walk with God, putting prayer first in, in your, as you lead or serve your children, and prayer first on the job. My hope is that, that we'll, we'll have this prayer thing be significant in our lives. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 17, because I want to talk about the reality of the spiritual battle that we're in. And I just want us to take this Old Testament picture where the Israelites uh, fight the Amalekites, because there in it, I think we can see some of the reality of a spiritual battle that's going on, both in that battle, but it also gives us a window into the battle that you and I are currently in. Um, if you've got your Bibles, verse eight, here we go. Um, Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim, all right? So the Amalekites would fight, and oftentimes we have some of these um, tribes or, that would come and fight them and try to steal from the Israelites. All right, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, he, they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. All right, so here in the story, you've got Joshua playing a role in fighting in the battle. You've got Moses and Aaron and Hur playing a role in the spiritual battle. And I think this is critical because the first thing I want us to see is, is Moses' dependence on God. Like the battle is in front of us and he says, I'm gonna go on top of the hill. Like he doesn't say, Joshua, go sharpen your sword. The first thing he says is I'm going on the hill and, and I'm we're, we're gonna be dependent on God in this battle. Like imagine this battle with me. I don't know if you can see it. But imagine just the dynamic, all right? Moses goes on top of the hill, probably visible, all right, by Joshua and, and Aaron and Hur. Uh, sorry, by Aaron and Hur go with him. Joshua probably looking at Moses, Aaron and Hur, probably visible, don't know. But you've got this battle going on. And when his arms go up, when his arms go up, Joshua feels invincible. Like all of a sudden, Joshua has the power of God and they are defeating the Amalekite army. All right, so just picture it in your head. You can see Moses' hands go up. You're on the battlefield. And that is, this, that is symbolic. It's the statement of saying, we need God. We're dependent on God. And when his hands go up, 
then Joshua is just dominating, like, I mean, just, uh, just annihilating the Amalekites. All right, but then when his hands go down, all of a sudden Moses' arms start to go down. Oh, the tragedy and the sadness when you start to lose because you no longer have Moses crying out to God up on the hill. If you're Joshua and you're in a physical battle where your life depends on it, you are not casual on if you have Moses' arms up or not. If you're Joshua, you're like, Moses, get his hands up. Look, we need, we're dying down here, like literally. Like, get his arms up. And you're yelling, if he gets tired, Aaron, her, get his arms up. Lift him up. You, Aaron, old Aaron, longtime brother, get him up. Her, his comrade, his, her, her, the man, get his arms up. I, we need God in the midst of this battle. We are dependent on God. Without God, we're in trouble. Here's what I want us to get. Moses, in the battle, goes up on the hill. Joshua, in the battle, fighting the enemy. Here's what I want you to see. In the spiritual battle that you're in, you need God in the battle or you're in trouble. Real simple, real easy. Yet how tempting is it for you and me to be like Joshua and just go into battle. We're strong. We got an agenda. We got a plan. We know time management. We've got money in the bank. We're healthy, whatever it is. And in your own strength, just forego the whatever it takes. We need God. We need God's hand. And if you're Joshua in that battle, man, you are forever longing. Like I am, like you are dependent. Like I need, I need God or I'm in trouble. And I just want us, as we go into this season, I want us to just have that reawakened. I wanna have in us the God, I need you or else, or else I can't, I need you more than anything. That holy dependence, that if we have God in the battle, victory is a step away. But if we don't have God, our destiny is a disaster. And sometimes in 21st century, living in Kansas City, it's easy to just live on such a routine that there's not that ache, there's not I need, that, that I, need, I need God or else I'm in trouble. And I want you to just, just let the Holy Spirit reawaken that in your heart today. Prayer is a statement, it's a demonstration. I need God. I want you and God without you, I'm hosed. God, without you, I can't do this. God, I need you. And we always have God responding to those who humble themselves and pray in this place of need, in this place of ache, in this place of recognition. On, in my own strength, I will fall short, but God, with you, we can do anything. And as we go into this fall, my hope is that our church would be one that says, God, we're desperate. God, we're dependent. God, we need you more than anything. Sometimes in your routine, it's your business. Sometimes your routine uh, with your family. Sometimes your routine with your, what, your health, with everything. It's easy to just kind of be like, I'm all right, I'm good. I figured it out. I know how to do life all right. But you are going without the miracles. You're living in such a way dependent on yourself that you're going without some of the miracles that God has for you. And so I wanna invite you to this, 
just kind of shake off that dependence on self, that independence, that it's, it's all about me and just value again. Let God reawaken that you woke me up. My heart, well, I'm dependent. God, without you, we will not survive this battle. God, I need you. If you're Joshua, get Moses' hands up. If I don't have God, I'm in trouble. That's what I want to grow in our heart today. I want that ache to grow in us. I remember for me, I, uh, well, the first time that I ever preached, I was, I was 19 years old, and I went and preached at a church, and I remember just being like, sitting on the front row, the pew. We didn't call them rows, they were pews. And uh, sitting in that pew, just kind of just sweating, like, oh man, here we go. Just, and I was just praying, just like, oh God, I need you. God, without you, I'm gonna fall on my face. God, I'm gonna say something crazy. God, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. Just that, that God, I need you kind of thing. And, and uh, just that kind of leaning, that God, I want you. And uh, had a, about a few years ago, I was, visiting a church and sitting on the front row and I was kind of making jokes to the pastor on the front row and I was preaching a sermon I'd already preached before and I was just kind of like, just enjoying where I was at, kind of just, kind of just honestly, just not even thinking about the message and I had the Holy Spirit just like a laser just say, you're not dependent. And I knew I knew, I, I, rem- I had a picture, I remembered, the, I remembered early when I was like, it was new, and I was like, oh God, without you, I'll fall apart, and I, and I could feel the Lord just kind of straightening me out a little bit, like, this is, this is, don't do this on your own strength, and that's my prayer for us, is that we would not get accustomed to living in our own, in our own independence, but that we would go, God, I, I need you, God, I want you, and that's my prayer. I think it's easy for us to strut, in a culture that applauds strutting. Look at you, you gotta figure it out. And from your social media, to your job, to your business card, to your office, to your car, to your house, I mean, just, if you, if you look like you've got it all good and all working right, then everybody applauds. But if you want God's applause, get on your knees and on your face and say, I don't have it figured out, I need God. God, without you, I'm, I need, you. I need the work of God. I need a move of God. I need God in my heart. I need God in my marriage. I need God as I parent. I need God in God. I need, I need a move of God in my family. I need a move of God in my church. I need a move of God in my city. I need a move of God in my nation. God. And that is the heart that God all throughout the scriptures tends to go, I like that. I like those people that recognize I am the creator. They are the created. And if you'll come before me and just in a place of humility, just ask and come before me and cry out, I'll move. And that's my prayer, that just like Moses knew, first place I'm going, Joshua, I'm not taking a sword with you on the front lines, I'm going to the hill. Man, as a church, we wanna go to the hill. As a church, we wanna be a people that say, I'm, we're, we're gonna give ourselves to, to prayer. We're gonna be a people that cry out in prayer. I love the story of Charles Spurgeon, who was a famous British preacher, and in that era, Pastors would come to see his church and they'd ask him questions like, what are you doing that's making this church so great? What are you doing to reach so many people? And the story is, is that the great Charles Spurgeon, who they call the Prince of Preachers, didn't tell them how to write a sermon. He'd take them to the Monday night prayer meeting that existed in the basement of the church where people were crying out to God and say, you wanna know that what makes this church work? Here's the engine that makes this thing work. Man, that's just the dream that we've got is, man, what, what would happen if, if this was a praying church, if this was a church 
where we cried out to God, we believed, we asked, we sought God. And I just wanna encourage you today as we go into the season of prayer to just come before God and say, God, where am I strutting? Where do you want it? And where are you calling me to lean? Where are you calling me to be dependent on you? I think it's easy for us to have prayer be our last resort instead of our first response. Like I'll strut until I'm broken and then I'll pray. But maybe lean first instead of strut first. And if you'll lean in prayer first, instead of going out strutting, then the rock won't fall quite as hard on you. And you'll get the moment to just say, all right, God, this is not my strength, this is yours. And you'll start to see God do miracles. You'll start to see things, you'll start to see things in your own prayer life, the way it plays out in your life, where you, well, you just have stories that, like only God could have done that. Like these moments where you go, this isn't me. This isn't, there's this. And you'll have the, the lie of the enemy and maybe people will just kind of, ah, it's just chance. But here's what happens. You increase your prayer life, you'll increase your miracle life. And oh, to live a life that's supernatural. Oh, to live a life where God's activity is taking place in our lives. I love the famous quote that William Temple said. He said, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. Here's the idea. Everybody's always like, ah, yeah, chance, coincidence. It's just, it's just you. Well, maybe when you're the person that cries out to God, you have those aha moments far more and you just credit it to God in the secret place because you know only God could have done that because you're moment after moment. It might not be the... The, the big miracle of fire falling from heaven might, might not be the, the huge financial miracle, but it's the conversations. It's the relationships that change. It's the little check in the mail. It's the, just these little kind of things. And you look back and you go, only God could have done that. How am I here? How did that happen? There's no way apart from, but you know, God. And you've got God in the battle. You've got God and your temptation is not gonna be, hey, let's take a time out, sharpen the sword, just you know, hang out, give the guys you know, some, some cheese and just that's the way to win the battle. No, if you're, I don't know why I made up cheese, just, it's just spontaneous illustrations that are barely working, just bear with me. No, if you're in the battle, it's not about stopping for a break, it's not about sharpening the sword, it's about get his hands up, I need God more than I need anything. And so I love the idea of doing everything you can to work on your time management, work on your finances, work on getting everything, working on all the little things. But if you do all those things right and you don't have that prayer life, I'm telling you, pray first. I'm telling you the one that makes it all work is relationship. It's that holy leaning on God, that holy need, that holy desperation. God, I need you more than I need anything. So here's the second one. All right, it's prayer activates God's hand. So first Moses takes the hill, but look at this. As, verse 11, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but when he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So it's real simple. Arms go up, <sighs> Joshua and the boys are invincible. Arms go down, <sighs> Joshua and the boys start to lose, right? If you're Moses and Aaron and her, you're like, there's our boys down there. Let's keep the arms up because we, we need our boys alive. We need our warriors. I mean, that's, unless there's one that you don't like. That's like, up again. I'm just kidding. But it's kind of like jumping jacks. Anyway, 
But it's, uh, it's, it's <laughs> ADD. Look, a bird. All right, so. But it's that idea. It's, it's this idea that when, when, when his hands go up, man, God's with us. And we're winning. And, and I just want you to lock in with that because sometimes it's hard for us to, to really grasp. But it really is true. And it is the way that Jesus talked. I mean, Jesus really did say, ask and you receive, seek and find, knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone that asks receives. Everyone that seeks finds, all that knock the doors open. Like, like the idea is, is that there really is more for those that ask. When we pray, God really works. It's just true. You do not have because you do not ask, James 4. Like, I just wanna encourage us just to embrace this reality that God invites us to actually ask. And when we ask, we receive more. And if we can live with less, we'll go with less. But if we can't live with a move of God, if we can't live without a move of God, if we can't live without a move of God in our hearts, without knowing him in the secret place, without a move of God in our families, a move of God on our junior high campus, our high school campus, if we can't live without it, then we'll come before God and we'll say, God, on my own strength, I can't do this, but God, you're powerful and you're strong. So God, have your way. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. God, and you humble yourself before leaning in on God. You could be sleeping in, but instead you're getting up to pray. You could be, you could be eating three meals a day, but instead you're skipping one to pray. You could be filling the blank. You could be another night of, of Netflix, but instead you're going out and gathering together with the other guys to pray for your families. You fill in the blank on what the prayer actually is, but you're in this place of saying, God, I believe that when I pray, it actually makes a difference. And so one, I'm leaning into you. I'm, I'm going up on the hill. I need you in the battle. I'm depending on you. It's not my own strength. Two, God, when, when I pray, you do stuff. We had a, uh, a missionary come to uh, our church in Colorado, 2004. And I just remember his message so clearly. Uh, he was addressing pastors at a pastor's conference. And he said, hey, um, Throughout the 1990s, there was a prayer movement called Pray Through the Window. And he said, uh, it was a focused prayer movement with local churches praying for the unreached people, those around the world that have never heard the gospel, the least reached area in the world. And so it was the 1040 window just above the equator, 10 degrees to 40 degrees. And so you've got, you've got China and India and you've got all these places. And he just showed this map and he, there was a box he said, this is the place in the world that is the least reached. And he said, so 91, 92, 93, 94, he showed a graph of the increase of local churches that were praying for that part of the world. And he said, all of you guys praying. And then he said, here's the graph of new converts, baptisms, church, churches planted. And as, as the prayer went up on the graph, so the increase of measurable of God's activity taking place and then he said, but the problem is, is that the prayer effort ended in the year 2000. And he said, now let me show you what's happened in 2001, two, three, four. Prayer movement just stopped cold. And he said, and look at the decline. And he showed the decline in 2001, two, three, and four. And he said this, he goes, guys, I'm in my late 50s. He said, uh, I am a practitioner. I've spent 25 years, 25 years working overseas in this part of the world. He said, I know some of you are theologian, theologians with master's degrees in theology. He says, I don't know how to slice this doctrinally. Here's what I know as a practitioner. He says, my degree is in chemistry, not theology. But it, as a worker in the 1040 window, let me tell you, here is what I know. When you pray, God does stuff. 
And I know everybody in the room's like, oh, that's deep. That's real deep. Here's what he was trying to get across. Real simple. When you ask, when you seek, when you knock, when you actually cry out to God, he goes, all right, if you'll pray, if you'll cry out to me, demonstrate dependence on me, I'll work. And I just believe as a church that we want that deeply embedded in our root system. In year one, that we would say, God, we wanna be a praying church. God, at our core, we wanna be people that know when we pray, God works. When we, when we cry out to God, and my prayer for us is that it wouldn't be just kind of like a side item. It wouldn't be an appetizer, but man, we'd love it. We'd embrace it. Watchman Nee said, Satan's strategy is to put everything related to the Lord before prayer and make prayer the least important matter. All right, look at this. Last one is this, verse 12. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and her held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. Here's the idea I want you to get. Moses got tired. Like in the midst of the battle, it's longer than you thought, a little bit harder than you thought. You're a little older than you thought. Your physical strength isn't quite what you thought. And you actually get tired. And in the text, he's got comrades that lift his arms. A part of praying in community is that we get tired, is that you're in a real battle. You've got real physical dynamics. You've got real bills to pay. You've got, you've got discipling your kids and you've got, you've got real issues at work and, you, and, and the battle's hard. And, and man, a lot of times what we need is just to gather together and have some comrades come and we just lift arms, just help each other look to God again and refocus and get our eyes back on God. The idea of persevering in prayer is all throughout the scriptures. The temptation is to give up, arms down. Battle's too hard. Check out, I'm done. Maybe I should just live in my own strength. It does seem like the wicked end up living a good life. Maybe I should go that route and live for the temporal pleasures of the planet instead of the rewards of eternity. And so sometimes you just need that Aaron. Sometimes you just need that her that goes, I'm with you, brother. I'm with you, sister. And lifts your arms because I think every single one of us gets tired. And one of my sadnesses as a pastor, and I know sometimes some of you think I'm young, some of you think I'm old, some of you have no clue what I am. <laughs> but I spent 16 years, I spent 16 years leading prayer meetings at the local church in Colorado and and man, I, I saw a lot of tired intercessors. I saw a lot of people that had, man, there was a day where I, there was a day that I believed and, and there was a day that I could contend in prayer. And man, my hope is that we'd gather together. Sometimes it's a small group. Sometimes it's Wednesday nights, but we just kind of lock eyes again and lift each other's arms again. And, and one of the things I love about this text, I love how old Moses is. I love how old Aaron and her, his comrades are. Because you know what's fun about it? Both generations are needed to conquer. And so you've got this young man, Joshua, showing up. He's got, you know, he's tough. He's got a sword. He's ready to fight. He's strong. 
And then you got Moses. And Moses is holding the rod of God. Moses has seen God face to face. His man, his friend, his face has been radiant back earlier. I mean, Moses. Whew. Moses. Moses in Exodus 3. I mean, burning bushes. I mean, M- Moses is contending and fought with Pharaoh. And I mean, Moses is a man of God. Joshua's coming up next. And he's actually going to be the one that leads the people into the promised land. And one of the things I love, and I don't know the exact dynamics, but I love the dynamic of a Moses that knows his role and believes in Joshua. And a Joshua who knows he can't win without Moses' hands in the air. And I'm telling you, God's got a call for us. I believe one of the things God's calling us to do is, is we're gonna we're gonna reach thousands of young people and we're gonna we're gonna see God move in a powerful way. But one of the things that we need right at the beginning at the core is we need the generations fighting for each other, believing in each other. And Aaron and her, Moses at the top of the hill, and they've got war stories and they've been with God and Joshua and the young guys in the battle fighting, but they're not saying we don't need Moses. They're like, we know. If it wasn't, we know that that rod, we know that historically that rod symbolizes the way God has been with Moses and his people. Man, my prayer is that at this church, we'd have some fathers and mothers. We'd have some young, some young people. And all of us together would say, we need each other. We embrace, love, encourage. We go to battle together. And I believe if, we've get, if we get that, like if we've got that, we've got the battle at Rephidim, the Amalekites against the Israelites, and the Israelites win. The Israelites go into war. Why? Because God is with them. And with God with them, they're invincible. I mean, unstoppable, like, and that's just, I I want us to get that. I want us to see the power of a praying church. If we've got God with us, it does not matter if we've got a big building or a few trailers. It does not matter if we got good coffee or bad coffee at the prayer meeting. If you've got God, if we've got him with us, we've got everything. And so our dream is that we would come before God yet again and just ask, just keep asking, just keep believing because we do serve a God. Don't you think it's beautiful that we serve a God who wants to give good gifts when his people just ask, that there's more of it? I mean, it's kind of easy to just ask, right? Like it's just hunger, it's just ache, it's just recognition of how big he is. And God always loves to give when we'll just ask. Spurgeon said, whether you like it or not, asking is the way of the kingdom. So we just wanna be like little kids, we just ask. Just like you moms and dads, you know, The kid that never stops asking, he's got more toys than the other kids. It's just true, it's true in my family. I got one, he just never stops asking. Whether you call it annoying or gifted, it's just there. He's got more. Why? Because finally you're just like, stop, yes. Take Lightning McQueen or take the camera, bless you, whatever. Here's the deal. I wanna be that child. I wanna be that child that's just like, God, If you're gonna bless, bless us. God, if you're gonna work, work here. God, if you're gonna give, give here. God, if you wanna use a people, God, use us. Without you, we're hoes. But man, if we've got you, whoo, bring on the Amalekites because God is with us. Amen?
Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you. God, we want to be a praying church. We just confess we're so tempted to live on our own strength. Help us be dependent on you, God. Help this not to be, to be about our own disciplines, our own habits, our own abilities, but God, help right in the middle of this church. We have men and women, boys and girls, teenagers that love to lean, that love to pray, love to say on my own strength, I'll fall short, but God, with you, I've got everything. Jesus, I just ask, Lord, even I pray supernaturally that you would stir this morning some of those you're calling to give themselves to be faithful in prayer, to be devoted to prayer, to pray constantly, to always pray and not give up. Father, in Jesus' name, do a work in our church. Do a work, we pray. We want to we be, be trusting in you completely. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To learn more and to join our Radiant family, check us out on social media and online at radiantchurchkc.com.